0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. ...to left to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone, about four yards deep. Here comes Nixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25-30. Breaks him to the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of the robot. That was the one
1: Came into the game, Williams busted for him with a great entry,
2: didn't practice all week, and he just took it right off the
3: gut, through the heart of the Minnesota Vikings cover juniors.
2: All right. What's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865-658-5824. We're going to cut to the chase. We got a very busy man. This guy is busier than a possum in a dumpster. I'm telling you, he's all (laughs) over the place. Every podcast I turn on, we got Mr. Andy Herman from the
3: Packaday podcast. Andy, how you doing today, bud? I am doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. I got to ask, what's the uh, what's the big board behind you? Is that like a fantasy draft board? What do we got there? <laughs> no, it's funny you asked that. I'm actually not a fantasy guy.
2: But okay. uh, I do a uh, I do a big board for the draft every year and everybody makes fun of me. I've got the spreadsheet, but I just like the old school. But then of course it. after the draft's over, that's kind of the uh the training camp roster. And it's funny you mentioned that and and everybody's going to think we coerced this, right? But we didn't <laughs> You're one of the people I follow on Twitter during training camp, and I like to just kind of tally up positives and negatives on that board right back there and uh, and kind of give me an idea of how camp went. We all know. We tally it up and go, yeah, this guy's getting cut. Lo and behold, he makes the team, and the ones we think is <laughs> a shoe in gets cut. But it's still oh, yeah. fun nonetheless. So, um, Very much so. Awesome. All right, so let's do this. We're going to go rapid fire, Andy. Like I said, I know you're a busy guy. Appreciate you taking the time. I just wanted to kind of get your pre-camp filler, really, man. Um, I know you're going to be there for training camp. You're always giving the updates. And I just wanted to kind of go position by position or, I guess, position room by position room, if you will. And I just want you to kind of tell me, tell the listeners what it is that sticks out to you. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Or, hey, look, you might want to look for this. What are you expecting? That type of thing. That sound good? Sounds fantastic. I'm excited. All right, here we go. Let's start with the quarterback room. Of course, we got Jordan Love. We got Sean Clifford. We got Danny Etling. And of course, there's going to be some other camp bodies. Those are the three that really uh, I'm going to kind of stick to the ones that uh, more more than likely will make the team or at least be in a run and make the team. What well, sticks out to you there? Surely it ain't Jordan Love, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think the big thing here is like the tra- not only just training camp, not just preseason, the regular season, the entire season, all of it is all about Jordan Love. Like that's what this season is about. And I know Green Bay, the, the goal is always the goal. It's always playoffs and you know, trying to get beyond that, etc. But this season is all about Jordan Love. And that obviously has started already with OTAs and mini camps, him being the guy, him taking the reins. Now it goes into his first training camp as a starting quarterback, his first preseason games as a starter, and obviously eventually his first actual regular season as a starter. So just watching him, um, how he commands the offense, what struggles he has during the training camp process, which there's going to be some and during preseason, etc. And then can he just have some of those moments? I think, you know, when I go back to, and I, I like, we don't need to go like Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love and like how they're going to compare and contrast against each other. But when I go back to that season where Aaron took over as a starter, I very clearly remember some moments in preseason being like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like, can, can Jordan have a few of those moments where it makes you, you know, have that confidence going into the regular season? So I think it starts there. And then like the backup quarterback position, not certainly not like without, you know, talk, you know, like it's certainly worth talking about. Right. So at the backup, you know, do you have Sean Clifford, who is a fifth round pick rookie and you have no idea what you're sort of getting yourself into. I was looking back at Danny Etling. I posted this today. Don't ask me why. Uh, But Danny Etling last season in preseason, 17 of 22, 77% completion percentage, 220 yards, 10 yards per attempt, touchdown, no picks, nine carries, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Like That's a pretty nice preseason. I think the issue with Etling, I was just looking at this too. Again, don't ask me why. He's going to be 29 years old in like 11 days, 29 years old. So like, this is not, he's the fifth oldest player on the team. So like, this is not like some young developmental quarterback that you're like hoping, like, all right, like any moment now, Danny Etling's going to break out and have that moment, right? Like it's, it's kind of like do or die now or never. If, if he's not the number two, there's not a whole lot of like reason to keep him around. Right. So not only does he have to like win the number two job, like Sean Clifford, probably not going anywhere. We know Goot loves to keep his guys. So he probably gets a 53 man spot, no matter what. So like Etling has to win that number two, if he wants a spot, if he doesn't, it's practice squad at best. And I'm not even sure he gets that at age 29. So those are the kind of the things that I'm looking at at the quarterback position. Absolutely. It's something
2: I've been torn over too, because, you know, you want that, that backup is really the personal assistant to the starting quarterback. And when you think of Sean Clifford, who really hasn't been around Jordan Love at all, it's like, will he play that role, you know, good enough? It's, uh, it's definitely something worth mentioning. For sure, and you mentioned that first start uh, from uh, or when Aaron Rodgers kind of took over as starter. I was actually fortunate enough to be in Lambeau that Monday Night Football against the Vikings, and I tell this all the sure, time. Sure. I will never forget that deep pass to Jennings, and we. I looked at a guy next to me, and he went, "Brett, who?" When I mean, he, you could see the arm strength, you could see the accuracy, everything. So, man, I'll tell you what, Andy, if he, uh, <laughs> if if we hit on this quarterback too, Chicago is it's going to burn, man. <laughs> it's
3: going to be horrible so it's so funny because like every every other nfl team i feel like wants like green bay to get its come up and it's like it's like listen you just had Favre, you just had rogers like you're good for a while now like you can't have another one there are rules against this like you have to be bad for a while now and i can only imagine like if he does play well and I'm, we're not even saying like, you know, Hall of Fame worthy again or whatever. But even if he plays at like a decent Pro Bowl level of, at like some point, like people are going to be so ticked off because like I think everyone is just sick of Green Bay having like really good quarterbacks at this point. So hopefully he can be uh, at least that caliber to just make people a little bit more upset.
2: Absolutely. All right. It's it's so hard to get off of the quarterback subject. We're gonna do right. it. Let's uh, let's go to running back. We got Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, arguably one of the best uh you know running back tandems in the entire National Football League. You got Patrick Taylor and of course the rookie Lou Nichols, the third. How do you feel about the uh, the running back room? And I imagine you're probably gonna to go towards Lou Nichols and Patrick Taylor. Are they gonna carry four? Are they only gonna carry three? What are you thinking there with that running back room and even expectations for Aaron Jones if you want?
3: Yeah. So I think that, you know, the easy thing here is like Jones is one, Dylan's one a or one B and like, like that's the easy part, right? I don't see anything really changing there. I think Aaron Jones is going to probably be the focal point of this offense. while well, they sort of figure things out. Jordan's a first time starter. You've got literally first and second year players at basically every wide receiver and tight end position outside of Josiah DeGuara and maybe Tyler Davis. Right. So yeah. I think Jones and Dylan going to be the a, a big focal point of this. So then it just becomes like, Who's your number three? Do they keep there? Remember, they only kept two at times, or they, you know, just kind yeah. of called people up from the practice squad as well. So um, that's an option as well. But I think you know you've got Patrick Taylor, who's like the uh, master of nothing, but he does everything well. He's a good pass protector. He's a good power back. He can catch the ball of the backfield a little bit. He's always a little bit underrated, but he's a nice player. You got Tyler Goodson, who's all speed and has that you know game breaking ability. But the the problem with Tyler is that the thing he does really well is be a running back and you know what they don't really need from their number three guy, a running back because Aaron Jones and you know AJ Dillon are going to be the guys that are carrying the ball all the time. The number three guy is not really going to carry the ball, right? So you have to right. be a really good special teamer. You got to be able to come in. And if you do get snaps, be able to pick up the blitz, bring something different to the table. Uh, Tyler doesn't really have that. He's kind of like, a, just like, again, if you need to give the ball to somebody 20 times in a game, or at least like maybe get an explosive play like Tyler's your guy, but they don't necessarily need that with Jones and Dylan on their roster. And then we know again that, you know, Brian um, loves to keep his draft picks. Right. And I I wasn't super like of all the draft picks. I thought Lou maybe had the, the most, you know, nondescript, um, rookie minicamp, minicamp OTA of all the draft picks, which he's a seventh rounder. So that's not like super shocking. But, um, you know, he obviously is going to have a chance just based on being a draft pick as well. So I'm going to be focusing in on that number three spot. Does it go to Goodson, who's the best running back of the three? Patrick Taylor, who's probably a little bit better special teamer and can do a little bit of everything, or just the draft picker? And does maybe Emmanuel Wilson, who's got some really nice size, a little bit of wiggle. Um, can he get his name in the conversation as well? But it's certainly that number three that I'll be looking at.
2: Yeah, and you were exactly right. Last last year, if I remember correctly, we broke camp with only two running backs. So it, yep. wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise us all if we broke with four this year, right? It's just the way it kind of goes. But uh, let's awesome. move on to wide receiver. We've got uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samori Torre, uh, Dontavian Wicks, Grant DuBose, Bo Melton, Malik Heath, Jeff Cotton, and uh, we're also showing Deuce Watts here according to ESPN. How? What do you think about the wide receiver
3: room? I think – The word opportunity comes to mind, right? Watson and Dobbs are going to be one and two in some capacity. And then, like, if you're a young, talented wide receiver, there's nowhere else in the league that you'd rather be than Green Bay right now because there are legitimate snaps up for grabs. And yes, Jaden Reed, second round pick, Samore Toure coming back. I think they're going to want to get him involved a little bit as well. But if you're Malik Heath, like the you know star undrafted free agent of the group, if you're Dontavian Wicks, a fifth rounder, if Grant DuBose is hopefully healthy at the start of camp, seventh rounder, Bo Melton, the guy they added to the 53 off of Seattle's practice squad a season ago, like your opportunities are there to go out and claim as many snaps as you can possibly get. And there's nobody entrenched in that number three spot right now. And this is a team that runs a lot of 11 personnel. I think we're gonna see a lot of tour. I think we're gonna see a lot of Jaden Reed. I think we might even see Luke Musgrave as like a big wide receiver at times. But the opportunities are endless, and I think there's a huge opportunity for those young guys with it, whether it be you know Heath or Wicks or or you know Dubose or Melton just to compete for roster spots. But if they play well, it can go well above that as well. So um, that's what I'm mostly interested in is who grabs that opportunity. A lot of talent there, a lot of unproven talent, and that's what I'm going to be keeping the the biggest eye on is just you know who who takes the the bull by the horns and really runs with it. Absolutely, this camp's going to be huge. It's
2: going to be so much fun too. at preseason as well. Seeing these young guys, wow, it's gonna be awesome! Uh, at it's the tight really end position, we've got Luke Musgrave, Josiah DeGuara, Tucker Craft, Tyler Davis, and they've even got a fullback on the roster, Henry Pearson. Uh, if he hasn't been cut, I haven't heard of him being cut. Yeah, you know, there. when I seen that, when I seen Henry Pearson, I in, in no way, shape, or form did I think, okay, he's going to make the roster, but it kind of made me think. Are they going to try to utilize the fullback a little bit more and maybe move Josiah Aguara on into that? Now that they've got the two young tight ends, of course Tucker Craft being able to play wide and, and Luke Musgrave being able to play a little bit of that F. How do you feel about the tight ends? Because we've been told in the past, Andy, you got to curb the enthusiasm on those first years. But then when you look at the great tight ends in the past, and in no way, shape, or form, am I trying to say that Luke Musgrave is going to be, you know, like a Travis Kelsey or like a, uh, you know, a Kittle or, or those guys. But they seem to flash early. It's just the ones that. Are kind of mediocre it does take two or three years where they are before they're starting material you know but how do you feel about that tight end room
3: i think there's a lot of excitement and hope there right but as you mentioned young tight ends usually take a bit to get their feet underneath them and i've had to sort of like temper my own excitement and expectations because you watch luke musgrave at practice and it's not hard to immediately immediately recognize oh that's different and he is the most fun tight end from a traits and athletic standpoint that green Bay has had since Jermichael Finley. There has been a Jermichael Finley sized hole on this team since Jermichael Finley got hurt. And they've tried different things. Jared cook, a couple splashes here, or there, the tight end who shall not be named that came from new England and Chicago. That did not work out well at all. Jimmy Graham didn't work well at all. Um, like there were, there were some opportunities that they, they tried to do some things. It just didn't really work out in a lot of different ways. And this, this, kid is insanely talented, awesome body control, great hands. Like just the speed up the seam is incredible to watch great size. He has it all like now the run blocking, the pass protection, the blitz pickups, all those are going to be a massive learning curve and it's going to take him some time. And even with that being said, they've like Luke Vaness who we'll get to has been running with like the twos and threes, like a lot of even the threes. Wow. They and but it, and it's not even necessarily anything against Van S. Like it's just like that's their process, right? Like they in OTA's mini camps, they're going to make sure that these rookies have to like earn their stripes. And then in training camp, we'll start seeing them get promoted a little bit. Luke Musgrave was tight end one from day one, like and he has not given that up in any capacity. And Tucker Craft, really, in a lot of ways, has kind of been tight end two as well. Now, I think all four of these guys, potentially in Musgrave, Craft, uh, uh, Deguara, and Tyler Davis have all rotational ability. There's a real world where Tyler Davis might be the best run blocking tight end on the (laughs) roster right now, which seems crazy. Um, But I think it actually is true. Josiah DeGuara, more that H back fullback. Um, You mentioned Henry Pearson. He's going to have to basically beat out DeGuara, I think in order to have a shot. And just like if Green Bay would get to the point of like, all right, our top three tight ends are going to be Musgrave, Kraft and Davis. And now who's just the better fullback? Like who's going to be the better blocker in that capacity? Like it would have to be like, they'd have to feel confident. It was Pearson. I don't think that's going to happen in any way, Mm -hmm. but that would be his, you know, avenue to the roster. And even guys like Austin Allen, Cameron McDonald, I think, uh, those are two players that are practice squad type guys, Austin Allen, big dude. Like he is tall as heck, um, has some speed up the seam as well. He's going to have to improve his blocking Cameron McDonald, kind of like a B minus, um, Josiah DeGuarra. He's got a little bit of juice to him, more of that H-back tight end sort of type. Um, but he's, a, he's he's got some energy and he's kind of a fun player as well. So I really like this group on the whole. I think it's going to end up being a lot of Musgrave, Kraft, DeGuara, and Davis all rotating in and being used in a variety of different ways. But again, opportunity here for all of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you said that about Luke Musgrave, that from day one he's been
2: tied in, number one, the the first thing that triggered in my mind, Andy, was Quay Walker last year. It's kind of how that sure. went, out, right? Yeah, he played so uh, that's gonna be very interesting let's move on to offensive line and i won't read them all off but we'll kind of go down the line espn's projecting this is the starting offensive line uh david bakhtiari at left tackle we'll go left from right but david bakhtiari elton jenkins josh myers john runyon rosh yash najman then we got uh Rashid walker uh chuck falaga jake hansen royce newman zach tom caleb jones luke tenuta let's just stop right there how do you feel about this offensive line? Because I'm, I'm a big, big Zach Tom fan and I would much rather see Zach Tom start at right tackle than Yash. But of course we pick up that tender with Yash
3: and he's getting paid, whatever it is, 4 million. You, you kind of, yep. that shows the value in him, right? Yeah, potentially. Um, but I, at the same time, they're going to start their best five. Right. And I think that maybe the, the biggest, like most obvious training camp battle for a starting spot right now is is very arguably Zach Tom versus Yash Nyman. And I think they're going to battle it out for the starting right tackle spot. I think there's a really good chance you get your wish, and that Zach is probably, um, I think, maybe slightly uh, the leader in the clubhouse to get that right tackle spot. But I think it's going to be a really well thought out battle. I think the other thing, too, is like if anyone, like let's say Zach Tom wins it, and anyone else on the offensive line gets hurt. I think you're going to see Yash at right tackle and Zach take who's ever place got hurt. Right, Bakhtiari gets hurt. Zach Tom Jenkins gets hurt. Zach Tom run uh, running gets hurt. Zach Tom Myers gets hurt. Zach Tom. Right. So like I think that's what you probably end up with. Or even if you know Yash wins the right tackle spot, he gets hurt. Zach Tom. So yeah. Um, th- I mean, you have six starters, and that's a really nice thing to have for Green Bay. And I think the other thing that I'm going to be watching here is. Let's look at this, right? So Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Tom, and Nyman are six starting caliber players, right? right. Royce Newman, Jake Hansen, Sean Ryan, Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuda, those six have been on the 53-man roster. Like those right. are six players that have been on the active 53-man roster, including Hansen and Newman, who have started games for them. So you have 12 guys right there without like, that's not even saying if like what a DJCA for a Chuck Felagia or a Kadeem Telford, who I like, um, if one of those guys all of a sudden steps up and gets their name in the conversation, then you've got 13, a Gene DeLance, who they really liked last year. They brought him in for a top 30 visit in the 2022 draft. And then once he became available, he did, they didn't sign him. Initially he became available during the season. They bring him to the practice squad, et cetera. So they have a lot of guys that they like, in this offensive line group. And like I said, they have 12 guys who have been on the 53-man roster in some capacity going back to last season. So you're going to keep probably nine. So you're going to end up cutting probably three guys, um, at least two, that have been 53-man roster players for you. So I think that is the other really fun thing that is going to like kind of play itself out is not just that starting right tackle spot, but who gets that eighth, ninth, maybe even 10th offensive line spot.
2: Wow, that's awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, let's start with the uh, defensive line. They're projecting across the uh, three-man front. Of course, if we're in a thirty-four front, uh, Kenny Clark, T.J. Slayton at the nose, and then Devontae Wyatt, and then of course backups. You got Carl Brooks, Jonathan Ford, Chris Slayton, Kobe Wooten, and Jason LaJuan. Um, you know, I am really, really excited to see Wyatt this year. But how do you, uh, how do you feel about the defensive line room?
3: Yeah, so first of all, I think we're going to see a lot of two-man lines, right? We're going to see a ton of nickel, which we usually see. And I think you're going to see a lot of base nickel with Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton. I think that's going to be sort of their base. and Because what you really have to do with that two-man defensive line, they have to be able to hold up at the point of attack in the middle. Because if you're giving – like, Green Bay allowed five yards per carry a season ago, and if those guys can't stay stout at the point of attack, you're in for a really long season, and you're going to end up in a lot of second and shorts and third and shorts, and you're just in no-man's land, right? Green Bay did a really good job when they were in third and longs the season to go, but they just had a really tough time actually getting teams in third and long. So I think you're going to see Slayton and Kenny Clark be the two guys that try to just eat up a ton of space in the middle of that base nickel defense. And then once you get into some of those more passing downs, that's where I think you start seeing Devontae Wyatt become a little bit more involved as a you know uh, gap penetrating pass rush guy who can also defend the run when needed. And then your Colby Wood and your Carl Brooks, those are two kind of more pass rush guys as well. So I think they're going to be really smart with how they rotate those players. I was really impressed with how Jonathan Ford came in uh, to OTAs and mini camps. He looked a little bit more sleek and slender than what he was a season ago. I'm interested to see if he can find his uh, niche in this league as well. But I really like all six of these guys. There's a lot of hope and promise with these guys, but they actually have to put it together. We haven't seen we have we've, we've heard last year TJ Slayton is ready to take a step. We saw flashes of it. We didn't see consistency. Devontae White, first round pick like, and then like a 24 year old first round pick we are hoping that he's going to come in and just like blow the roof off the thing. He plays like 300 snaps and doesn't really get the opportunity to do that. Well, now he does. And then you get two day three selections this year, including uh, Jonathan Ford, a day three selection last year, all these guys I like, it's just how do they utilize them? And can these guys legitimately either a take a jump or b um, be good as rookies because sometimes it's really hard and, and tough in the trenches in, uh, the modern NFL. Absolutely. All right,
2: let's go uh, edge defender here. Let's go weak side first. We'll go Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness, uh, JJ and Jonathan Garvin. Uh, they've got uh, Justin Hollins listed. And then we jump back over to Brenton Cox Jr., and, of course, uh, Ladarius Hamilton. I'll tell you, Brenton Cox Jr., I've, I've heard you talk about him. I've heard other podcasters talk about him. Uh, Jacob and I, on one of my episodes, we actually jumped in and looked at some highlights and stuff. It's, it's hard not to get excited when you see some of the flash plays he makes. But I think the big question, and I'm going to ask you this right off the bat, Andy. I can't get an answer from anyone, and and I know why, but I've still got to ask it just to, just so I can sleep tonight. Rashawn Gary, is he going to be ready week one, or do you think it's going to be week four?
3: yeah, i wish I wish I knew. I, I think if I had to guess, they're going to be as cautious with him as possible, right? Like I think on some level, Green Bay probably understands is as much as they're not going to say it, um that they're probably not exactly competing for a Super Bowl this year. Um, that's always the goal, but I think if they're being realistic about it, they're not making that giant push, right? When your number one free agent signing is Matt Orzick, you kind of are putting the writing on the wall that you're not exactly going all in mm-hmm. on the season. Um so, I think they're going to be super smart about it. And they're going to understand that this is the long game with Rashawn Gary. I would expect him to get a contract extension at some point, whether that's still in the offseason or during the season will remain to be seen, but he's going to get that extension. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. And they know that this is a, like, he needs to be, a top three-ish packer for the, you know, for Green Bay to be successful down the road. And like they can't risk anything, um, you know, a reaggravation or him coming back too early. So listen, if he's ready to go week one and the doctors give it the complete all clear, yeah, there's no, you know, chance of re injury or anything, then yeah, like I, I they'll they'll put him out there week one. But if there's anything, if there's like one like, hey, we'd really feel better if it was like week two or three, they'll probably just say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna make sure and and we'll um, you know, publish them and make sure that he's ready to go, you know, week four, whatever it ends up being. So, um, I think that's the first thing that we're going to be watching for, right. Is, is what's, you know, signs of progress is Rashawn making and is he out there. And it's, it's not, um, unimportant when it comes down to that 53 man roster math too, right. Because there are guys like you mentioned, whether it be Jonathan Garvin, Brenton Cox, uh, Justin Hollins, um, you know, Ladarius Hamilton, like those guys are, are, probably hoping that there's another edge rusher spot available at the beginning of the 53-man roster cutdowns, right? And if Gary's on the pup list, that opens up a spot. If he's on the roster, that takes away a spot. And I think that if Gary's on it, like either way, I think they keep five from this group. I think you've got Gary, we know Preston and Igbari and and Vaness are going to make it. And and if Gary's there, then you've got one spot for Garvin, Cox, and, and probably Hollins, one of the, you know. One of the three from that group. Yeah. If all of a sudden Gary's not ready, he's on the pup. Now you're able to probably keep two of those guys, right? So it definitely changes the the roster math a little bit. And I think that's what I'm going to be most watching is uh, Gary's health, and then you know that that number five slash number six spot depending on Gary's health. Yeah, I,
2: I think the one thing I would be disappointed about is if if Gary isn't ready, and JJ and Ibarre, you know starts over Lucas Van Ness, and it's probably the right move, you know, especially like you said, him running with the twos and threes. But I'm I just want to see Lucas Van Ness on the field so bad, Andy, but as
3: we've learned in the past, I mean we seen it with Rashawn Gary. It took forever to get him on the field, right? Um so I I'll say this really quick. I, I don't know what's gonna happen with Rashawn Gary. I feel very confident as we sit here on July 11th that Lucas Van Ness is going to play a lot nice. in early like early and often he's 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 ready like right now. Like this is a this is different than Rashawn. Also Rashawn was like Zidarius and Preston had like their best right. seasons of their career in his rookie year. Right. Like you could not take those guys off the field. It was like, they were just too darn good. So, um, that, that played a factor with Rashawn, but Vanessa is going to play outside. He's going to play on the defensive line. Like there's, there's a good chance that the fourth defensive lineman on this team actually after, you know, Clark Slayton and Wyatt is Lucas Van Ness um either way he's in the top four of edge rushers in that rotation with Enigbari Preston Gary and himself if Gary's not ready he's in the top three of edge rushers he's going to play early often and he's going to make an impact in my opinion absolutely
2: good stuff all right inside linebacker we got Devondre Campbell Quay Walker Uh, they bring back Eric Wilson Isaiah McDuffie Tariq Carpenter is officially at linebacker now and you got a couple other camp bodies you know Keyshawn Banks I'm, not, I'm sorry, not – yeah, Keyshawn Banks. They actually have Brenton Cox Jr. on ESPN listed on the depth chart inside, too. I don't know how you feel about that. And then Jimmy – Yeah, Phillips he'll be an Jr. outside guy. Yeah, so so what do we think about um, the inside linebacker position? You know, uh, I know Quay Walker had a lot of tackles last year. Uh, me, personally, when I watched the tape, I wasn't as impressed as most, but I'm just a dumb
3: redneck of Tennessee watching football, right? So
2: how do you feel about the inside linebacker room?
3: No, it's, it's, you look at, I think there was a stat this week that somebody posted on Twitter. I think it was like the the 33rd team or something that like in pass coverage, there was either them or PFF, one of the two, like in pass coverage, like he was one of the best inside linebackers right. in football and the statistics look great. Um, and there, there's a couple of plays that he makes, you know, here and there too, that he like, they make you go, okay. Like that's why they took him in the first round. The tape was all over the place. You're not mistaken at right. all in watching that. Um, I was uh, more disappointed than not in the season that he had, but again, some really exciting and enticing flashes at the same time. So uh, this is all about Quay, right? Um, I think we know in some capacity, I think we saw the ceiling for Devondre two years ago. I think we saw the floor last year in Devondre. And I think somewhere in the middle is probably what we see out of him this year. It's going to be fine. Like probably not spectacular, like the first team all pro year, but I think he's still a really good player. And then this is all up to Quay. There's nobody behind him, whether like I like Isaiah McDuffie, but like that's the guy that you want is like your number three or number four. Eric Wilson, really good special teamer. I'm excited about Tariq moving to linebacker. I think there could be a little bit of a niche role for him there is maybe like the hybrid safety linebacker, maybe a little bit of a tight end coverage Mm -hmm. weapon sort of thing. Um, But this is all about Quay. And if he takes a jump, this defense in the middle of the field is going to take a legitimate jump. If he doesn't, same as last year, it's going to be really disappointing and it's going to be really tough to stop the run and be a better team up the middle. Um, And you're looking at probably another team that really struggles on run defense if he's not ready to take that jump. Got it. Got it. All right,
2: let's move on to corner. We're coming down a stretch. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to hit our time limit, man. We got uh, Jair Alexander. We've got Russell Douglas. And then, of course, in the slot, it sounds like Keyshawn Nixon's going to take over at least early. And then, of course, you got Eric Stokes, where you know got the injury up in the air there. You got Shamar Jean Charles. You've got Keandre Thomas, uh, Corey Valentine, and then Carrington Valentine out of Kentucky. How do you feel about the cornerback room?
3: Yeah. Like this group, I think the first thing to watch is, you know, very similarly to Rashawn Gary is, is what's up with Eric Stokes, right? Is this right. something that he's ready to go at some point in camp? Is this something where he ends up on the pup list? Like, is this a nagging thing? And I think the other thing with Eric too, is like, all right, so you had a very serious injury, like Liz Frank injuries, nothing to, you know, um, you know, just write off this is a guy who won with four, speed. Like it's not like he was the most technically sound corner in the world. It's not like he's like the most physical corner in the world. He's a great athlete, but his superpower was his four, speed. If he comes back off of a Liz Frank coming off a season where he was nowhere near his rookie season last year and just didn't play up to his standards, which he has said himself. And now he's like a four guy. That changes a lot with Eric. You Stokes. Really so not, not just is he back, but, Is he back to the player that he was prior to the injury? That's going to be a really big question mark. And then the other thing I'll say here is, let's just say whatever happens with Stokes, right? Let's just say he's not ready to go at the start of the season. You've got Jair and Rizul on the outside, Keyshawn on the inside. I like that group of three. I really do. I think they're going to be totally fine, if not really good at the corner position there. The number four spot then becomes super interesting because you are one injury away at that point, from the next guy, not just like playing, like playing every single down, like you're playing like your nickel defense or, you know, dime defense in like every single play. Right. Basically. So you're playing like 60, 70 snaps a game. Is that Carrington Valentine, the seventh round pick, who I loved in OTAs and mini camps. And I'm hoping he continues to impress. Is that, you know, um, you know, is it Shamar John Charles? Is it Keandre Thomas? Is it Carrington Valentine or, I'm going to do that a million different times. Carrington Valentine, (laughs) Corey Valentine. um, Who's it going to be stepping up and really taking that number four spot? So really, really liked Carrington Valentine and what he showed, but the pads aren't on yet and there's a long way to go for him. So who takes that next spot is going to be really interesting as well. Yeah, and what was so interesting about
2: Valentine to me you know I'm, I'm I'm a Kentucky fan um originally from Kentucky and and the fact that he if I remember correctly he came out early is like he could have stayed another year but he yeah, decided to come it. out early that was kind of like whoa okay maybe you know I mean he's really betting on himself right especially the fact that you can make money in college football now but that's a story for another day. Um, let's move on to safety. So at the safety position, this is interesting to me. They've got it listed, Jonathan Owens as a starter at strong safety, Darnell Savage at free safety, then Rudy Ford, Anthony Johnson Jr., Tarvarius Moore, Dallin Levitt. Now, we all know in this Vic Fangio style, Joe Barry uh, defense, the – you know, the wide nine quarters, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, typically those safeties are very interchangeable. They want to keep both of them on the shelf. No longer do you have the strong and the yep. free safety. It's just they've got to be able to interchange, move in and out. For me personally, I'll, I'm a big Rudy Ford fan. I would like to see Rudy Ford playing that left safety. Um, and then, of course, I think Darnell Savage paying him almost $8 million. You got to put him, uh, you know, in that starting role, at least give him a chance to be the starter, although he's underperformed. But what do you think about them loading up on safety with all of these bargain deals, right? I mean, it, this is kind of like there. To me, it seemed like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, like they took multiple swings, cheap free agency to try to say, let's say, let's see if these guys that we probably had pretty high draft grades on when they came out, let's see if they can stick. How, how do you see the safety room shaking out? Because this is this is probably the biggest, uh, the most vulnerable spot on the roster,
3: right? So you've got Darnell Savage on the last year of his deal. Then you've got. Rudy Ford on a one-year like deal, it's a small one-year deal. It's A Tavarius Moore, small one-year deal. Jonathan Owens, a small one year deal. Dallin Levitt, a small one-year deal. All right, pop quiz for you. Of those four small one year deals, who got the most guaranteed money?
2: Mm, the most guaranteed money for, for a one-year deal, right? Yep. That's yep. So out
3: of, of, sure. I would, sorry, not out of like out of the four one-year deals. So Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Tavarius Moore, and Dallin Levitt. Oh, gotcha, well, gotcha. You,
2: got you. Well, they signed Tavarius
3: Moore first, right? But I, yeah, I, can't, I, I can't answer that question. question. Is it Rudy? It is actually Dallin Levitt of all people, got the most <gasps> guaranteed money of those four safeties. The point being is none of them got really much guaranteed at all. And the bigger point being is that they all have to earn their job in training camp. And what I would say here for these safeties, the four guys that I just mentioned, and then as well as um, Anthony Johnson Jr. and Ennis Gaines, like those six, Donald Savage makes the team because he's got a guaranteed deal, completely guaranteed deal and you like he just probably has a, a spot on the roster by default. You can't really do anything with it. You cut him, you pay him the exact same amount of money anyway. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to do that. And he might very well be the best safety on the team, at least in the conversation, right? So he's probably the the one guy that's safe and probably the one guy that just kind of gets the starting nod, right? After that, out of Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Tavarius Moore, Anthony Johnson Jr., Innis Gaines, all of those guys, if you told me any of them was the other starter sure. I could totally believe it. If you told me any of them were released before the end of training camp. Sure. Absolutely. Could believe that too. And I think Anthony Johnson jr. Probably the most likely next guy to make the team just because he's a draft pick, but like this is a late seventh round pick. There's no guarantees on those guys either. So, um, that would be like my next best bet to like have a roster spot, but, um, man, like it is going to be a complete free for all. Like you said, they took a bunch of one year flyer types and said, Hopefully a couple of these guys stick and we can just make them decent safeties and hopefully everything else in front of them works out well so that they can last line the defense and see what sticks. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting battle and they probably end up being the worst safety group in the NFL in the end of the day, but you never know what happens. Got it. Love it, man. You absolutely crushed it. I'm telling you, I'm looking so forward
2: to getting your camp updates. We really appreciate all the hard work you put in, man. It's finally paying off. I know we've seen the news here lately how things have changed, and you're really, really keen on that full-time, man. It's a dream come true. It's exciting, and you deserve it, And We really appreciate it. This only thing I ask of you is please don't ever, ever, ever mention again that we had Keyshawn Nixon block him for Amari Rodgers on part <laughs> return. Okay? That, it just uh, instant, instant depression.
3: So <laughs> it really was. I've been going back and watching last year's games over, which I don't recommend to anyone, especially that <laughs> you know, five game losing streak in the middle, which I'm in the midst of right now. Uh, it's not super fun, but um, it's just interesting the things that pop out at you and like seeing that first game with Jake Hansen at right guard and Royce Newman at right tackle with Zach Tom on the bench. It's like, oh my goodness! And you see Sammy Watkins sniping snaps from uh, you know, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. It's like, oh my man. And then you all like the first game, you see Amari Rodgers doing a fair catch and, and Keyshawn Nixon blocking in front of him. And it's just like, what, what is going on? And then the, like, um, Amari has like an awful muffed punt against the, I don't know. It like, he had a thousand of them. So it's hard to keep track of which one it was he has an awful muffed punt. And then you're like, all right, this must be the time where they like benched him as punt returner and then went with Keyshawn. And then you get to the next game and Amari's back there, punt returning again. <laughs> it's just like, Oh my, like, yeah. So yeah. fun times to say the yeah, least. The Well, we've kept you too long. Andy, thank you so much for your time, buddy. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you having me.
2: All right, man. Have a great night.
4: We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So US Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
2: All right. That was Andy Herman from the Pack a Day podcast. Really, really appreciate his time hopping on with us. uh, Just a. An awesome guy, man. You guys, I'm sure if you found this silly little podcast, you're already following him and tuning into everything he's got going on. Just an awesome, awesome dude. We're going to bring Jacob in now from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast and uh, just kind of recap what we heard here a little bit, man. I'll tell you what, Jacob, he rapid fire, baby. That's how we promoted it. And that guy just carving out 30 minutes for us is absolutely huge. But, man, oh, man, does he get you excited about camp or what, dude?
5: Yeah, yeah, that guy's the best, man, like you said, is – his Twitter updates are like just so poignant and his YouTube. I just love the way he does it. He's so quick to the point. His titles are never, um, never not, what they are what they're advertised. And he tells you all the information you need. There's not a lot of fluff and a lot of filler. He does it with a little bit of a Southern, a subtle uh, humor and sarcasm. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. good stuff, dude. I was surprised that a lot of the takes he had, if you want to go through a couple of them, we can talk about it.
2: Yeah, let's do it, man.
5: I mean, not really much to really talk about with quarterback. It is what it is. Um, I thought it was interesting his take on Tyler Goodson because we had like Big Mac on last night, you know, talking about how much he loved him. I personally, right now, I would have put Tyler Goodson in my running back three. But after hearing that specifically and simple explanation of why they wouldn't keep him is because he's just a, he, no, I shouldn't say just a running back, but he's a pure running back. He's a really good running back, but he's not a special teamer necessarily over a guy like Patrick Taylor or maybe even Lou Nichols or one of those deeper guys we haven't gotten learned about. So that makes a little more sense as to why he could be a casualty in that way. But um,
2: I thought that was another thing about that too, is think about if you're, if you're losing late in the game and you know, god forbid aaron jones or aj dillon go down and you need patrick taylor to come in or you need that running back to come in you want that guy pass protecting he was one of the best pass protectors you know of all the running backs last year i know aaron liked him a lot um i believe if i remember correctly the big the play to big dog in miami where they just kind of threw in on the fly a little wheel route down the sideline that great catch um i believe patrick taylor was the one who kind of made that play happen in pass protection but what else what else are we gonna say there
5: No, I heard him talking about how, one, how Musgrave is the He's the true number one, getting all those reps. I mean, one, that's great for my all my fantasy teams that I've drafted because I always pepper in a little Luke Musgrave right at the end. But three, because just the fact, uh, other than Dalton Kincaid, the rookie that's over in Buffalo, I haven't heard much about them, rookie tight ends being split out as a wide receiver. But those two specifically, they said they've got the body frame and they're so fast off the line that they could be a matchup nightmare for anybody in the slot. So imagine if there's a world where we have watson and dobbs on the outside with freaking musgrave in the slot and who knows what, i mean that that would just be amazing uh, but then the fact that he said that tucker craft could be our straw our, our day one number two and that he could be our best blocking tight end i did see another breakdown of a different youtuber who highlighted the fact that he was very willing to block you know he didn't have a lot of time in college and the college wasn't against necessarily the best of competition but he was a willing blocker and I saw a couple of them where he literally, he did the pancake. You could tell he was super pumped Did that Tucker craft, you know, flex move. <laughs> um, but is that, do we got, uh, is that Tim?
2: Yeah, we got Tim in the house here on the line. How you doing Tim? Oh, there, there you go. go.
0: There, there he is. is.
2: All right. <laughs> What's going on, buddy.
0: Man, just, uh, looking at my notes.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, same that's, here. <laughs> that's what I was
0: doing. One thing hey, I thought uh, was- we didn't cover: kicker, man. What, what, what's up with that? It's
2: it's funny, man. I, I was gonna say, all right, who do you got winning the kicker position, Andy? But I looked up and we were two minutes <laughs> over on our time. I'm like, now's not the time to be funny. This dude has got so much going on, <laughs> so we just let him go. But yeah, you know, it, it it's worth mentioning though. It's it, you know, I'm kind of looking at Mason Crosby out there, still a free agent, but there's just I just don't see any way possible. That they would. The only way I could see Mason coming back, and and is if Anders goes down with an injury, right? And that way you kind of preserve that four-year contract as a rookie. But I think with them drafting Anders or Anders, however you say his name, I think he's going to be the kicker. Yeah, I've heard Anders. I've heard Anders Uh, down here. We definitely say There's a hard on. On okay. (laughs) Come on. What do you got to do it, man? Come on.
0: Hey, hopefully uh, hopefully he kicks well enough for us to actually know how to say his name, right?
2: There you go. That's the goal, right? <laughs> for sure. We got Dakota in the hopper here. As a matter of fact, let's go to Dakota in case he's at work. I'm not sure what he's got going on. Let's hear from him real quick, and then we'll get him out. Dakota, what's going on, buddy? What would you think about all that?
1: Uh, I, Well, hey, first of all, can you hear me? Because I got some Bluetooth in for some reason. Yeah, we got you, man cool uh yeah no i enjoyed it it's kind of like a, a clash of worlds you know having you and andy on the same thing i've been listening to andy for a while before i discovered packernet so it's kind of cool but
2: yeah. um no i no, he's i like awesome. Yeah, he's, he's great at what he does he's like jacob perfectly summed it up man you want good good training camp details straight to the point it's i mean it's just it's it's perfect go ahead Buck.
1: but yeah no i i liked how, how succinct he was and everything but uh I know you all already mentioned earlier how he he seems to think the, the third running back is, you know, he'll be more less of a running back rather because the third running back's probably not going to run with the ball that much. Um, but I like what uh, Malcolm said yesterday, too, about being in the, the Tyler Irvin role. I know I've already mentioned it once on Tiger Net After Dark, but that's that's what I'm looking for. I want more motion. So all this speed, that's why I keep saying I'm so excited about this speed, because I want more of that. I want more <laughs> more motion. That's what I want.
2: Yeah. It's uh it's interesting. Man. I don't know if you guys are listening to to uh, play callers or not, the new podcast that dropped. Five part series, Matt LaFleur's in it. It is phenomenal. It, it was so much uh I don't know how to explain it you guys have heard me over and over and over saying this is Matt LaFleur's offense. And I seem to be the, I don't want to say the only person, but in the minority screaming, this is Matt LaFleur's offense. This is the McVay version of this offense because Sean McVay, what he did with this offense when he went to LA is he looked up and said, man, in order to get my best players on the field, I need to stay in 11 personnel. So he found ways to use 11 personnel, but still get to the same uh, passing concepts, but that got him away from that that style of running game a little bit more. Now, granted, that first year and that first time they went to the Super Bowl, they had Todd Gurley, which was one of the best backs in the league at the time. But it just kind of, to me, it, it told the story on that podcast. You guys have got to go listen. I think it's episode two or three. It told the story of how he got into 11 personnel and away from what Kyle Shanahan was doing a little bit. And it was because you want to get your best players on the field. And really, to sum it up real quick, he said he looked out there and said, how in the heck? is Cooper Cup not on the field for us? Like we have got to change something, get our best 11 on the field. Um, But when you talk about motion and things like that, it's going to be very interesting because what you then seen was Doug Peterson and the Eagles win a Super Bowl with the RPO. Now the RPO kind of invades all of this wide zone boot, Shanahan style offense. Um, So when you talk about the motion, the fact that we haven't seen as much motion, maybe that kind of comes back this year a little bit because everything's cyclical you know, within the NFL, but I'm with you on speed. Um, That's why I'm so excited to see Jaden Reed and Christian Watson back on the field together. But Jacob, what other note do you got, man?
5: Uh, One thing, just because it sparked a note that I took earlier when he was talking about how the Packers defense allowed five yards per carry. In addition to that, as a first down defense, we allowed six yards at least on an average on first down, which I mean, right there, that, that kind of sums up, I think, the whole reason our, in our our third down defense was actually pretty darn good. But the fact is, is they never really got to the third down when you're getting six yards of pop on first down. So
2: yeah.
5: if uh, that that kind of was around that area when you're talking about Devontae Wyatt and it kind of got me jacked up because I was a big T.J. Slayton fan. So if he really thinks that T.J. Slayton and Kenny Clark are getting the bulk of those snaps on the interior, mm-hmm. that still is a kind of a something that gets me excited. Um, and then just the fact, again, he talks about Luke Vaness just being a freak of all freaks, that he is going to be going inside here and there and that he's just still taking on um, that role as that lead, maybe even a day one starter at edge. I mean, that just gets me excited. Like you said, I wouldn't mind seeing Kingsley in there every now and then, but I want him taking the bulk of the snaps if it's possible.
2: I do too. I want to see what we got there early and often for sure. And when he talked about TJ Slayton saying those early nickel downs, where, where teams are in the majority of the time in 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets, that triggers your nickel. But they're still running out of the nickel. You want that big body nose in there, right? And right. then, of course, Kenny playing opposite of him. And if that keeps Devontae Wyatt fresh for the passing downs, that's exciting, right, Tim?
0: Absolutely. Sorry, I was on mute. No, oh, you're good, man. And Jacob took all of my my good points. <laughs> so we, we, take the, we take the same notes. <laughs>
2: there you go. <laughs> Jacob's been cheating on Tess for years. I can tell you right now, man. That dude, oh, yeah. he, he <laughs> That's just the way it is. Dakota, uh, is there anything you want to talk about before we let you go, buddy? We're actually at the 43 minute mark. I'm glad you guys hopped on here. Um, anything else stand out to you? Anything you want to hit on before we let you go?
1: Uh no, I, unfortunately, I was uh, ordering at Subway during a portion of... Uh, oh no! Uh, hey,
2: here's the real information. What did you order? I didn't know what you
1: ordered. Oh, come on, man. A sweet onion chicken teriyaki is what I go for all the Don't time.
2: Yuck. That, that
5: fits it. his personality perfectly. Well, yeah, it does.
2: <laughs> you want to get rid of those love handles, man. That sweet onion sauce doesn't have much in it at all. Dude. You got to do what you got to do, man. You're a married man, Dakota. You know what it's like, dude. You got happy wife, happy life.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, but I did. I some some of the bit that I missed was um, him talking about the safeties. Uh, so I, I've been I've only been watching football since about 2016, so I'm I'm brand new. I'm I'm just learning, still learning concepts. Like today, I re-went over the Tampa two, um, and because I, w- I was thinking about it, and I, I you know looking into it if Quay Walker is our middle linebacker at the time, he's so quick, he would be the perfect middle linebacker for the Tampa two defense. As far as I know, of course, I don't great, know. Great I'm still learning.
2: Great two. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Cause yeah. And, and I know P PFF put out that, that graphic that showed how he was one of the top, however many uh, linebackers in, in pass coverage. So, I mean that, that would work just fine for the Tampa two. So, I was hoping to hear his, um, you know, his view on the safeties. Uh, who, who did he think that that might be our second safety? Really, because I know we got Savage. And did he think it was Rudy Ford or?
2: He, he didn't, I didn't, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, I didn't get the vibe that he thinks it's a slam dunk Rudy Ford. I think the way he looked at it is it's going to be a fierce competition, and he wouldn't be surprised if any of those four guys got cut. Now, he pointed out that now you got to look at the guaranteed money, right? Who's got the most guaranteed money? Obviously, like you said, Savage is fully guaranteed. And then when you look across the board, it's kind of, you, you could see a, a scenario where any of those guys don't make the roster. You could also see a scenario where any of them could be the starting safety. You know, it's going to be good, good competition man and that's that's how you come up with good football teams this whole thing it's what bothered me about Josh Myers the last two years is just like okay you're the starting center and there was no competition and yeah. and I don't think Josh Myers is a horrible football player don't get me wrong but when you when you don't have any kind of competition and like he said you're looking over at Zach Tom sitting on the bench you know <laughs> and times when you're starting people like Roy Newman that you know obviously underperform, it's tough so when it comes to the safety position of Dakota man it's all about competition do you agree Jacob?
5: Yeah, and then the other thing, Dakota, I'm not sure if you heard it, but out of the four guys that are on a one-year prove-it deal as safety, the guy with the most guaranteed money is Dallin Leavitt. It's wild. And <laughs> I did hear it, that.
2: It, and what's crazy is that's, your, that's one of your big special teams guys, right? So yeah. it's like, okay, is he going to be playing special teams? Did and he get that
5: sweetheart play? deal from Rich? Because wasn't he like the first special teamer that he brought over from yep. Uh, Oakland?
2: Yep. Yeah, he uh, – mm-hmm. he brought in him, he brought in Keyshawn, and then, of course, he, it was under his recommendation to, to go out and get Pat O'Donnell uh, because he had, you know, ties with Pat, I think when Pat Pat might have been with the Raiders way back in the day too. Um, it's just – it's cool, man, to see how this thing – this whole thing's unfolding. And you were talking about Tampa too, Dakota. Another thing that's in that podcast, you guys, I'm telling you, man, you will absolutely love it, is it talks about how this Fangio defense kind of took over, and it talks about how Robert Sala – came from Seattle's cover three zone defense. And he when he comes to the 49ers, what what they seen happen was running this wide zone running game, Bill Belichick absolutely shut down the L.A. Rams in Sean McVay's first Super Bowl. And the way he did it was by presenting a six-man front and playing what they call a wide nine technique, which is way outside. And that takes away your outside zone right so that's how they did it so then what you started to see with sala was what they called a wide nine cover four so you had a wide nine on the edges taking away the outside zone as this whole shanahan system is taking off what you had mcveigh do behind the scenes was going how can we stop it because this is multiplying across the league just like the normal west coast offense did way back in the day it was really really exciting just to hear how all that came into play and then of course Fangio style of quarter coverage you're showing that same pre-snap look with two safeties on the shelf they're playing top down but what Fangio did was implemented a lot of match coverage which means there's man principles included in that cover four you know that palms look things like that we don't go down all those rabbit holes but you digging into the Tampa two. Keep doing that stuff, dude. I'm telling you, because I heard you say on Packer Net After Dark, I believe it was you, Dakota, you said, you, I think it was 2016, and my memory's bad, but I think you said 2016 is when you really started to pay attention and kind of diving into football, dude. It's a whole different world. You see the game so different on Sunday when you really start understanding what teams are trying to accomplish both offensively and defensively. It's it's really, really cool. So that excites me to hear that you're diving into it, man. Um, Anything else, buddy?
1: Oh, no, I was just uh, – I'm just interested in seeing how that second safety turns out and how, how Quay himself turns out because uh, if we can get those two, um, I really think that could be either the weakness of our defense or, or the strength depending on how, how them two turn out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you're spot on, man. I really do. I think that center field safety and, and the way the, that quarter's look starts – will be two on the shelves, but there's a rotation that happens where you end up either in a, a cover four, a cover three, a cover six, or you're playing man coverage with a single high safety. I think that safety that plays center field is absolutely huge. I mean, you've seen it over and over through the years. You know, the Super Bowl win that the Packers had over the Steelers, who was and Greg Jennings every time he caught the ball down the seam, right? It was Palomala. They had a great safety, all the great defenses have. When you go back to the Baltimore Ravens, who did they have? Uh, Ed Reed, right? I about said Andy Reed. Could you imagine the big Kool Aid <laughs> man out there playing free safety? <laughs> but it's uh, it's something that's I think it's really really um overlooked. You know, I don't think it's any coincidence that we have one of the best defenses in the league the year we won a Super Bowl. And guess who was playing free safety center field? Nick Collins, right? So, but we appreciate you hopping on, Dakota. We're gonna let you go, man. Thank you so much for your time. You have a great evening. Enjoy that uh, sweet onion ch- uh, chicken teriyaki, unless you <laughs> already finished it. I don't know.
1: No, I'm about to dig into it now. Y'all have a nice one.
2: Uh, appreciate you, the coach. All right, Tim. Uh, what else you got in your notes there, man? We got about 10 minutes left. Um, we're gonna sign off. Uh, anything else stick out to you with uh, with what Andy said? Because what what's so cool is as the the dust kind of settles and we get ready for camp, you're starting to see the camp battles emerge, right? Right tackle, safety. This is the stuff we're going to be looking at on a on a day in day out basis, right?
0: Yeah and uh you know what sticks out to me is you know t- you know Andy brought it up you guys brought his name up Dakota just brought his name up and it's Quay Walker and you know I'm just going to say this I will gladly happily any day of the week carry the torch for for Quay Walker and uh I believe in him And I think the fact that he was thrown into the fire last year as a rookie and and had to play a lot of downs, played a lot of football, um, you do a lot of growing in in just one season. So if anybody on this team that I'm excited for for a sophomore year, it's on the defensive side, it's definitely Quay Walker first, you know. Um, And I think to Dakota's point, you know, depending on how we're scheming up and how we're playing this year, you know, he can be that versatile defender as he grows into this position. Uh, You know, whether it's attacking from the edge, whether it's falling back in pass coverage, uh, side to side, I noticed he gets uh, to the sidelines laterally across the field pretty well too, chasing guys down. Um, Finishing plays is going to be something that, you know, he's hungry. He just needs to, uh, I think, play, you know, I don't want to say play within the system. That's what everyone's (laughs) supposed to do. But I mean, play within his system, his, his internal mindset, when he's out there, when he's in pursuit or when he's in coverage, I think a lot of it's gotta be, you know, he, he can develop, but he's got to trust that development too. So if he's making strides, he's gotta, he's gotta believe in himself. And I don't think that Quay is lacking self-confidence. I think Maybe last year he was lacking some clarity, and I think that's what's that's what's come this off season. I think we're going to see that in a year two. So Quay Walker sticks out to me, and with with Andy talking about him taking that leap, and I fully believe we're going to see it this year. And man, that that linebacker room is going to be interesting. Um, just like we talked about safety, and you know, the edge. I mean. My gosh, like if this defense can can put them in the old vice grip and, and you know, lock them down, man, we're going to be deadly this year. I just – I really believe it.
2: I think so too, especially if we lean on the run a little bit more and kind of get back to the roots um, of, uh, of of leaning on the run and playing that play action with a little more boot. You know, we've seen they didn't run as much boot uh, with, with Aaron because, you know, he's not the, the same quarterback he once was as far as the legs go. But with Quay Walker, you know, it's crazy – Andy said you could see he was he was great in pass coverage. You go to PFF, they said that was what he was best at. So that completely checks out. The thing I loved about Quay was just how violent he was when he got to the football. Right? It was just when he made a tackle, I couldn't tell you how many times in the notes I have for the post game show, Jacob. It was violent, Quay Walker, violent when he got there, dude. And, and you remember the the fumble recovery too, right? I think I think oh, he yeah. actually forced the fumble when Rudy yep. recovered it, I believe. Yeah, and it yep. was just. Yeah. I mean, that he's got those instincts and the fact that he spent so much time on the field, man, let's uh, let's hope he puts it all together this year, because it could it could be a game changer, Jacob.
5: Yeah, I'm going to send you uh, I think it was from I don't remember the. I don't want to mess up the YouTube name, but it was a perfect like four and a half minute clip. And it showed in the beginning like some great highlights and then it showed where he needed to. where he I mean, he honestly whiffed, but he he could have had like three more sacks like three more um, stops behind the line of scrimmage. He could have had a couple, like, really highlight, like you like, would have been wow plays, but he either just whiffed on a ju- – he was really susceptible to juke moves. So if he gets to maybe use his eyes a little more – remember when I was a kid, always watch the waist, you don't know, watch his legs, or the head, you right. know, that sort of thing. He just – you know, like like Tim was saying, he's a rookie, thrown out there to the Wolves, playing baseball. I think he played all 17 games, didn't he, or close to it?
2: Yeah, thanks, you, then, uh
5: I just – I look. Isn't it
2: funny how the, the the stuff from your childhood comes back? Like the stuff you learned yeah. playing football, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean the whole hips. I, the, what I always think about is Shakira. Hips don't lie, right? Hips. Don't <laughs> <laughs> and it's whether crazy. you're on a basketball court or whatever, man, it's so true. You lock onto that midsection, you won't get fooled, right? Yeah. Um, yep. God, it's good stuff, dude. Good old. I days. like what
0: you said, Clayton, about just you know, violent at the point of contact, man. Just like he did, you know, with that beastie Georgia Bulldog defense, man and man, that's the Quay that we want to see. And he's got a heart of a lion, heart of a champion. That guy is a champion, and he wants to win at this le- level a lot, really bad. I know that. I'm not speaking for him. I don't know him personally, but um you know, I got a feeling, man, that he could be a, a real solid anchor in in this defense going forward. So go Quay, go go Pack, go. I'm uh, a <laughs> definitely going to be like i said on the defensive side when i'm at camp that's my eyes are going to be locked on number seven out there this year
2: hey, can't. we're going to work you like a mule bro while you're at camp we're going to be asking <laughs> you questions we are to be getting pictures and everything man so it's nice to have some boots on the ground out there for sure but, absolutely uh, man all right brother we'll let you go we'll get ready to uh, wrap this big bear up we appreciate you uh hanging out with us man
0: hey thanks for having me on guys appreciate it all right thanks, take care bye. all right bye
2: Awesome. So that was Tim in Green Bay. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, of course, Dakota in the chat says I need to see Quay knock some folks in the next week. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, uh, it's coming together, man. It's, and it, again, we do this every day What well, it's the 11th now. So what, just, saying, two, just two, two weeks, weeks, away, yeah.
5: two weeks, man. Yeah. It's no, it like kind of it cool.
2: Yesterday we were going into the draft and everything. I know. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah,
5: think yeah. about it. Think about it like this, though. So we're basically in the dead of the dead zone. Let's look at the last just like five days. Friday, you had that awesome interview with Tony Mandrich. Saturday, you had a great, great show. Ted Tim calling in. Sunday, we did our post game that we kind of get used to with Ryan, myself, and you. Yesterday, we had an awesome uh, breakdown session with Big Mac, and then today you're with Andy Herman. I like.
3: Yeah.
5: Who knows what's going to be in store in another. <laughs> three months guys when we're actually have football going, we have highlights to talk about stats to talk about. Oh my God. I'm just, it's yeah. going to be almost too
2: much. And, and dude, it's a, it's a testament to the Packers fans. Really? I mean, Andy Herman's a Packer fan. You can see it. You can hear it in his voice, right? Mm-hmm. All these people we talked to. I mean, you seen you seen Tony Mandarich with the Green Bay hat on, right? That that just fired me up because I'm going. I don't know how he feels about the Packers. You know, we're gonna have a conversation about it. Boom, camera comes on. He's got his Packer gear, and I was like, that's freaking awesome. It just. I don't know, man. When you got so many great people in the community, like you said with uh, with Big Mac, you know, um, uh, with Malcolm, he was just. Uh, you could tell he's passionate about the Packers. I, I know you're one of the diehard Packer fans. That's what makes this stuff great, man. Um, I'm excited about it. And it, it's funny, you know, we've had some great guests, and we're going to have uh, more of them. Uh, and, and most of them will be returning, I'm sure, you know, if uh, unless my accident scared them off. But <laughs> – um, the one thing that Peter Schrager said from good morning football, and I like Peter Schrager. I th- he's one of the few people on that show I can stomach because he's, he's a real insider. He's got great relationships, great friendships with, uh, with the McVeigh tree, um, has a great podcast. I'm going to curse here. So if you got kids in the room earmuff it, but he, he said something one time that really resonated with, with me because, he asked Sean McVeigh, hey, what advice do you have for people that want to be coaches? And then Sean McVeigh, which is so freaking huge, he turned around and asked Peter Schraker and said, hey, what advice do you have for people trying to break into your business? And and he, you could tell he kind of blushed. You could hear it in his voice. But he said "Uh, two things, really. Work hard and don't be an asshole. That's what he said. And <laughs> and it's, it's true, it's man. True. If you don't buy into all the Twitter beasts and you don't get into all the arguments and you meet some really good people, choose to see – the positive and everything and the ones that are going to act like knuckleheads hit that freaking block button and move on man that's all you can do that's it life's too short but uh yeah i'm excited i appreciate you um you know reading all those off and everything up next um is going to be kurt being kurt um, we're probably gonna get him on here in the next week or two. I got to check in with him. That dude's traveling the world, but what an awesome guy. Awesome. And we got a couple other ex-packers too that are in the hopper. We'll see what happens there. I'd like to check in with uh with Krista Watson too, man. Um oh, just yeah. to kind of see, hey, now That'd that your son's been cool. in the league for a year, what's changed? You know, what's the mindset going in, this and that. I guarantee you she still got that bulldog mentality. Today. It was just oh, yeah. awesome. When she the way she signed off too, go go kick some, you know, more. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like That's, that's where that kid gets it from. So yeah, pretty cool. Um, Anything else you got, buddy, before we wrap this thing up, I appreciate you taking time to hop on here, man. I know you were in the, in the queue, listening to the uh, interview with Herman too. So.
5: Yeah, no, it was just interesting. I felt like kind of a fanboy sitting there. It's kind of cool. Like you said, meeting people that, uh, I mean, that's the dream. Basically we're watching that guy do what All of us would love to do work and work and work. And then all of a sudden it pays off. And yeah, like you said, can't, uh, can't, happened to a better guy. So I'm just, I'm pumped to just sit here and listen to you guys talk football. It was pretty cool.
2: Heck yeah, dude. Awesome. Well, let's wrap this big bear up. I got to go downstairs and try to save my marriage because I'm <laughs> go way earlier than this. So yeah, dude, <laughs> it's late. we're going to get out of here. We appreciate everybody stopping in, man. We had some, uh, some great viewer accounts there. I appreciate, really, really appreciate how the chat laid low tonight. You know, we have more viewers tonight than we've had ever on a live stream. And there was no chats other than you know obviously Dakota who was in here with us just a second ago, and it's you know there's there's a time when you just got to shut up and listen right, and I try to stay out of the way when Andy was talking, but we definitely appreciate his time. Jacob, thank you so much for hopping on, dude. Hey, we're getting more and more consistent with this, dude, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm having fun, man.
5: Dude, it's think about where we've come now from where we were just like a few short months ago. It's it's getting it's getting nearly professional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if,
2: I get some, if I get some speech classes, we're, we're golden, <laughs> right? That's all we need. So we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And Go Pack Go.
4: For Jordan Love. 37. Here he is throwing in the middle. It's caught by Watson.
0: He's got great speed. Turning the corner. Christian Watson down the sideline. And he will score. Whoa.
5: To a one-score game. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like right, the Eagles team sort of has this thing under control, and then Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six
4: touchdowns now in the last three games. He is really something when he gets in the open field and running. That was some throw by Jordan Love, too.